Welcome to Becoming Your Greatest Possible Self. I am Chris Burns, America's number one motivational speaker for fiery inspiration and GPS coach for entrepreneurs and high achievers. Each episode, we interview leaders and great role models who make a massive impact in the world to help you master yourself, take courageous action, and make every day your best day ever. Ladies and gentlemen, James Perpera is about to come on and just blow your mind. This dude has dove into the, the science, the psychology, and the, the being of how do we really transform? How do we shift our perspective? How do we evolve into our greatest possible self? So definitely stay tuned. It's going to be a powerful interview. Before that, I'm talking to you because you're becoming your greatest possible self. You are here today. You're diving into this interview. You're showing up. You're doing your habits. You're doing the things. You're doing all the things that you know to do. And some of the things that maybe you know to do, you're not doing, that's okay. Don't beat yourself up, but stay connected with people like James who's about to come on and keep growing yourself. Stay plugged into the sources of transformation, inspiration, and every day commit to being and becoming your greatest possible self. Thank you for being here. Next up is the iTunes review of the week. This week, let's see who it's by. I believe it's by M Davis 777 who said, very inspirational and educational. This is the podcast to listen to if you're looking for both inspiration and education on a variety of topics to help you be the best you you can be. Absolutely are. Thank you so much, M. Davis. If you want a chance to get shouted out on a future 12-hour live stream marathon and the podcast, go to BOGPS.com forward slash iTunes or search Greatest Possible Self on the Apple Podcast Store. Give us a review. Let us know what you love, what you want to see more of, how we can improve the show for you. While you're there, subscribe so you never miss an episode because we release a new one every day to keep you fueled and filled up with inspiration and empowerment to become your greatest possible self. Thank you for being here. Let's keep growing and going. I'm going to introduce James in just a sec. Before that, grab a piece of paper, grab a pen, be ready to take notes. This is going to be a powerful, powerful interview. Make sure you stick around all the way through to the end because one idea, one perception shift has the power to change everything for you. Our guest today has experienced some of the most extreme moments life can offer. 15 years ago, he was an inmate struggling with life in solitary confinement, placed there as a result of his actions while homeless and addicted to drugs. While in jail, he reconciled his life and developed a personal philosophy. And once released, he found his wife, he created an amazing family and a beautiful, prosperous life. He became inspired to share his knowledge with the world and that's just the tip of the iceberg. And we're going to see how he's sharing his knowledge with the world in this interview. James, are you ready to rock the house? I know you already said yes, but I'm just I'm just double confirming. I, I am ready. <laughs> you know, I mean, I heard your intro. I think you said it was inspiration and perspiration. I'm down. Yes. Yes. Right? Let's do a hair check first. Are we good here? Everything. <laughs> me too. Me too. Well, well that's why I did it, right? <laughs> um, no, I think I, I think that's amazing. And and you know, one of the things you've said as we were coming in. Um, you said something like you're doing all the things. Well, mm -hmm. you know, maybe that's true for some people. Maybe it's not true for other people. And so I think that's a great lead in. You just let me know when you want me to unleash. Dude, dude, we're, we're unleashing. We're unleashing. I'm, I'm going right. to I'm going to create a segue. The theme of today is patterns of transformation. So do your magic. Weave, weave what you're weaving into patterns of transformation just to kick it off. Okay. So I'm going to give everybody an idea or a concept. There's a couple I'll share with you today. The first one is. 
either do the work or change your goal. Mm. Right? Mm. Meaning there's no shame in it. And so what I mean by that is that so many of us have what I would call these subconscious, unconscious goals. Like we have all these priorities or ideas of how we want to change our lives. And the problem is, is that we never take the time to get clarity around the things that we want. And when you don't get clarity, what happens is, is you wake up in the morning and you've got a list of a thousand priorities, right? It's like, well, today I'm going to eat better. I'm going to work out. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go to the gym, I'm gonna, whatever it is, right? Yeah. It's like, okay, well, what happens when you stop, when you fail to fulfill those priorities, right? Is that you start beating yourself up. You know, mm -hmm. so it's like today is the day I'm going to eat healthy. And then you come along and somebody sets a birthday donut on your desk. And you're like, it's not today, maybe tomorrow. <laughs> and that narrative plays out in our head. Why is that yeah. important? Mm -hmm. And here's why it's important is because is because we don't get clarity around our goals. We have all of these objectives that we want to cover in a day, which we could never do anyway. Um, but every time we fail to do one of those things, we beat ourselves up. And so yeah. what I like to tell people is like, either do the work or change your goal. There's no shame in it, right? Like, because when you don't do it, then you create guilt yep. and you create shame. And that's what suffering is. You know, suffering yeah. is the idea of focusing on the problems. And so you only get so much energy in every given day. Mm -hmm. And we waste our energy by not having clarity around the things that we want. And so what I tell people as a starting point, if you want to change your life, is make a list and get super clear around the things that you want in your life, and then yeah. take one thing off your list. And why is that important? Is because just accomplishing one thing, it's like, well, but then I'll never get to where I want because I want all these things. It's like, you're never going to get to where you want because you're trying to do all the things at once instead of doing one thing. And mm -hmm. so it's like, once that one thing is habitualized, then you can take on another thing. But here's the, here's the key to that is you have to give yourself permission not to do the other things. And so if it's like, I'm going to take on healthy eating. Mm. And so I'm going to set my goal of going to the gym to the side. I'm going to set my goal of meditating to the side. I'm, you know, I'm just going to take on this one thing. And once mm. I've habitualized that one thing, and once I've implemented that one thing in my life, I pull another thing off my list. Mm. But if I don't do it that way, it's like, okay, well, I start healthy eating and then I fail to go to the gym. And then I fail to meditate. And then I fail to do all these other things. And I cause this situation where I'm constantly beating myself up. And I make that one thing harder. Mm. So it seems like it's going to take forever. But in truth, do one thing, do another thing, do another thing. And over a year period of time, you'll be blown away by how much change you have. In your life. Dude, I love it. So I hear that a transformational pattern to adopt is not trying to do everything at once, but one thing at a time. And so if people are not feeling like they're transforming in their life at the capacity that they know they're capable of, it's like, man, I know I should be doing better. I should have better relationships, should have the woman or man of my dreams. I should have a business in my dreams, finances, whatever. And they, they're shooting all over themselves. They're beating themselves up. They have guilt. They have shame. Then most likely they're not taking on one thing at a time or facing the reality of confronting whatever is uncomfortable about that one thing. Right. I mean, when you try to do everything, you end up doing nothing. Yeah. Right. And so it's like, you know, start with one. And here's the thing, guys, what you have to understand is that, is that you're expanding your capacity for risk. Mm. Right. So when you think about change and what creativity is and what change is, it's about taking on that which is uncertain. Right. And so you do have a capacity for uncertainty. 
Mm -hmm. Right. And when you start out, it's actually pretty low. And so mm -hmm. what I call creativity is moving into uncertainty and that making that which is uncertain certain. Mm -hmm. Now, uncertainty, our mind is is literally programmed to move towards certainty at all times. Mm -hmm. Now, when we have a problem, right, or when we have an issue that we have to address, we've now moved into uncertainty. And so there's only two options. We have to move our mind towards certainty. That's mm -hmm. the way your mind works. But you can do that one of two ways. You can solve the problem mm -hmm. or you can lie to yourself, right? And that's what cognitive dissonance is. Cognitive dissonance is that you hold two opposing ideas in your mind at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so you're splintering yourself off into a thousand pieces because it's like, I don't want to sit in this uncertainty anymore. I don't want to take on the risk of solving the problem. So I'll just lie to myself and tell me it's tell myself it's okay. Yeah. And that's why people are so surprised by the results. When I what I say to people often is like, stop being surprised by the results. The results. Right? Meaning that you know everything in your life is a consequence of how you've been living. And it's, you know, people are so shocked. It's like, you know, I'm just gonna use this as an example. If anybody's in this situation, I feel bad. I'm gonna say sorry up front, but it's like Okay, well, you eat badly, you smoke, you drink massive amounts, and then one day you get cancer or heart disease, mm. right? And then it's like, why me? Yeah. Why did it happen? Yeah. And you're like, what did you think was going to happen, mm. right? It's because you have patterns in your life. Your life is made up of patterns. And so yeah. here's how I would say is like, you have a relationship pattern, you have a money pattern, you yep. have a work pattern, you have a health and fitness pattern. And without interruption, those patterns are going to play themselves all the way out. And so people are like, well, I don't know what's going to happen. Well, actually, you do know what's going to happen because it's simple math. So what you do is, is that you look at all the patterns in your life and you do very simple math. It's like, OK, well, let's look at your weight, for instance. Right. Are you heavier? You know, are you healthy or less healthy than you were this time last year? Are you heavier mm -hmm. or skinnier than you were at this time last year? You know, push that number, how much, well, I'm 10 pounds heavier this year than I was this time last year. Well, push that 10 pounds in the future plus interest. That means you're going to be 20 pounds heavier this time next year. Because people think that change is about act of God change. Mm. Right? But it really isn't. It's just patterns playing out in your life. And so you need to have clarity and insight into where your patterns are currently going. You know, are you more in debt or less in debt? How much? Mm. It's super easy math, and it's like, then you don't have to be shocked by your circumstances. Dude, James, this is gold, man. This is gold. We're just we're just hitting home runs right off the bat. I want to connect people with your story. I watched the documentaries. Freaking powerful, man. And uh, had a chance to glance over your book. It's just awesome stuff that's in there. For everyone who's just getting connected with you, man, let's tell, take them back to your journey and like what was happening, what caused your your transformation, your awakening to say, I really get to take responsibility for my life and my actions. So, so here's my background story, and this is going to be hard for some people to believe, but it really happened. So when I was in kindergarten, um, it became apparent I had pretty severe learning disability. And, you know, I remember back in the day, they used to call it special ed. I'm old, so it was like special ed, right? I got to go to special ed. And so the first day I'm going to go to special ed, my teacher calls me up in front of the class, and she says to me, you know that only stupid and retarded kids go to special ed. And I was looking at her like, are you joking? Like, like, I was just shocked. And then when she sent me out of the classroom, she made everybody in the classroom call me stupid, mm. right, on the way out. 
And of course, for the listeners, like, you know, of course, I went home and told my mom that night. And she was like, you know, my mom was an undiagnosed bipolar manic depressive who didn't know how to deal with life. My dad was off doing drugs. My stepdad worked 15 hours a day. She was like, look, I don't know what to do. You're just going to have to deal with it. And so I thought, well, this is surely a one day occurrence. And, you know, I go in the next day, every single day, she would bring me up in front of the class, tell me I was stupid. And then tell my, have the whole class call me stupid on the way out the door, right? And so, you know, where does that end up? You know, that ends up with a lot of beliefs about myself that, you know, may or may not be true at that point, but I got mercifully bullied for the next few years of my life. You know, fast forward, you know, many, many years later, I'm a drug addict, you know, I'm homeless, I'm committing crimes to feed my addiction, and I end up in jail. Right. And then I end up in the solitary confinement unit in jail mm-hmm. and I'm locked in a cell with the, person, you know, pray for forgiveness. I was, you know, working out, you know, reading every book I could get my hands on. And, you know, that was my journey. And that's where I started is like my life was a complete disaster. I mean, there's massive amounts of information in between those two things. Right. right? But so. But for the what we're talking about is this. One day I was sitting in my cell and I used to look at these, I used to write these long lists of people who I felt like it harmed me. Mm-hmm. Right? And so I could like pray and offer them forgiveness. And I had this massive list of people who I felt like had wronged me in my life. <laughs> and I looked down at this list and I went, wait a second. The only common denominator between all these situations is me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wait, how can that be true? Mm-hmm. Right? It's like you know, and I started thinking about other people's lives. I'm like, well, other people seem to have good lives. Why is my life so bad? And I thought, well, what if I'm the cause? What if I somehow created all of these experiences? And this is where the epiphany came, is that you can't create just some of your experiences. You either create all of your experiences or <laughs> none of your experiences, right? I was like, well, I thought about what those two things meant, right? If I was not the creator of my experiences, it meant the world really was terrible place and I probably didn't want to play anymore mm. if I was the creator of my experience it meant a couple of things first thing it meant was that I had to be able to take responsibility for everything that ever happened to me yep. it also meant there was a mechanism by which you created your life mm. and if I discovered that that I could create something new and different and great in its place because I obviously was a powerful creator because you know I'd created a lot of bad things right <laughs> so I was like so I thought about that and I was like, well, I don't feel like committing suicide. I guess I'm the creator of my experiences, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And even though I didn't know what it meant on that day, that was the day I took my power back because mm-hmm. I took responsibility for everything that ever happened. Dude, dude, that's, I think that's so profound. If people have not yet hit a rock bottom or they're, they're struggling and they don't feel like they have that sense of power that you took back, I mean, granted, it was a journey that you, that you went on. Like, what would you recommend to someone who's, who keeps giving away their power? What, what does taking responsibility look like? How, do, how does someone actually do that? So let's talk about why they don't do it, okay. right? There is no point in taking responsibility for your life if you don't know what to do with it. Because mm. then you're just causing yourself more suffering. Because mm. it's like, yep, yeah, create a shitty life. That's one more thing to beat myself <laughs> up about, you. right? <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, that's it. It's my fault. So what's the point of taking responsibility if you don't know what it means and you don't know how to do it and so the question is is what is the creative element of my life and that was the next question i had to ask myself and so let's be very clear 
good things happen, no bad things happen to good people, right? And so what was I taking responsibility for? Because every time you say that, people are like, are you victim shaming? I'm like, no, I'm not. Because I, you need to understand what I took responsibility for. And so as I looked at my life and as I looked back, I had to ask myself this question. Did the abuse that I occurred in my childhood create my existence? Mm. And the answer I came up with is if the abuse in fact created my existence, that means I'm stuck forever because I can't go back and change the abuse. Mm. Right. And so it couldn't have been the abuse because here's the other question I answered, you know, it was like, has everybody who's ever been abused, did their life turn out bad? And the answer was no. So it couldn't have been the abuse, right? Because, you know, given the proper intervention, yep. my life might have turned out differently. And so what I what I came to was this idea. It was what I chose to believe about myself having lived through that abuse, mm. right? And oftentimes people go, you were only five years old, right? Like, like how could you have chosen anything differently? I'm like, stop taking my power away. Because mm. it was, in fact, mm. my choice, mm. right? And of course, I made the most reasonable choice given the circumstances. Here's a person of authority, a teacher, you know, who's authority on who's smart and stupid was telling me I was stupid. You know, I was like, I'm probably stupid. That's that's a pretty good assessment to make from a five year old's point of view. Mm-hmm. But it was still my choice. Mm. And it was the choice to believe that I was stupid, that I was not good enough, that I there, there was something wrong with me that created my terrible life. And the exciting thing about that is I can always go back and choose differently to choose a different result. I can't change the abuse, but I can change what I believed about myself because of that abuse. Mm. And that's the creative element is understanding that for me, forgiveness or taking responsibility had nothing to do with the other person. Mm. It was never about letting the other person off the hook. It was about letting myself off the hook. I let the other person's actions be on them. That was mm-hmm. their their stuff. They can do it. I don't think about them. I think about the choice that I made, and that's what created my life. Yeah, and I know there's um, there's processes in the movie that you take people through to like give them these techniques to to heal themselves, to give themselves their power back, to you know heal and and forgive and change those like past memories too. There is, and they took me a long time to discover those processes. And, you know, there's kind of an interesting narrative behind that because when I first started growing, it was like, well, let me change a belief. I don't know, how do you change a belief, right? And it's like, I know, I'll do affirmations, right? And so (laughs) I'm like, okay, well, I'll I'll just do affirmations. So, you know, I was thinking about, well, I don't like myself very much. Maybe I'll start telling myself I love myself. And, you know, I was like, I love myself. And I'd hear this. Liar, right? (laughs) Bullshit. I try again. I love myself. Liar, love myself. Well, after a long period of time, it felt like less of a lie. Mm. And I didn't give up. Mm. And pretty soon it started to feel true. But here's what I discovered is that essentially what I started doing through affirmations over a long period of time, Mm -hmm. I mean, we're talking years, Right. From the time I got out of jail to my first million dollars was nine years. And everybody goes, that was a very short period of time. But in reality, when you're doing affirmations for four of it, trying to convince yourself of a different narrative, it seems like a very long period of time. Right. Like, but what I found is this, is that if you think about your subconscious mind, 
Mm -hmm. right? Your perception and your view of the world is based on what's in your subconscious mind. Mm -hmm. Well, of course, you don't know what's in there because it's subconscious. And so what I basically did was, is I piled enough good in there next to the bad mm. that the good finally started outweighing the bad, yeah. right? And that's what started showing up in my life. So when things started changing, they started changing rapidly. Mm. But it was years of telling myself a different story because I didn't know how to go in and get rid of the old beliefs. I didn't even know that they were there or how to identify them. Mm. It was just a matter of managing the darkness. At that point, it wasn't about getting rid of it. It was like, if I can shove more good in there than bad, then yeah. good will show up more often than bad. Right. It's like resistance. I'm, I'm just going to keep resisting, 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 right. resisting. Right. And yeah. so I'm managing this. But the problem with that is you're just putting a lid on the bad. Mm. And at the most inconvenient time, you know, once you start with your kid, your kids start to go crazy for a Lego or something, and you yeah. literally blow your top and everybody in the grocery store is like... This person is crazy right? because it's not like it goes away. It's still there just waiting. And it always comes out at the most inconvenient time. So yeah. after a while, and so, you know, as the story goes, my wife and I, it's like, you know, when we hit our first million dollars, I looked at her and I said, are you happy? She goes, I'm not happy. With mm. uh, or she said, no. And I said, me either. And so, I'm, <laughs> well, let's get to me two. Either. Let's get to two million dollars, right? And still not happening. So we had to turn around and figure out what creates happiness. Mm. And so here's why we teach perception and we talk about perception. So here's what most people don't understand is that the bottom line understanding of perception is that you don't see reality. Mm. You only see an interpretation of what you think reality is based on your past experiences. Mm -hmm. So basically what we were doing through all those affirmations was changing the information that was interpreting our current experiences by shoving a lot of new information in there. But creating wealth and, you know, things in the outside world and creating happiness are actually two different things. Yep. And so, you know, one of the narratives I like to talk about is, you know, in our book, there's a chapter called like money, 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 money. Mm -hmm. Damn, it's true, mm -hmm. which is about how money doesn't, in fact, buy happiness. But we didn't settle there. And there's actually a really cool statistic that supports that is that rich people kill themselves more often than poor people. And every time I say that, people go, what? It doesn't make any sense. And I think it makes perfect sense. Mm. They're like, why? And I'm like, because poor people no longer live with the illusion that money's going to make them happy. What if you pin your happiness on this thing your whole life and you finally get there and it's not there? And that's what happened to us to a certain degree. We didn't give up. And so what we found is that creating in the outside world, creating wealth and all those things is about changing your per perception of what's going on outside of you. Creating happiness is changing your perception about what's going on inside of you. So even though it's not the same thing, it's two sides of the coin that we call perception. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the techniques we talk about in the book and the movie are about creating happiness. And it turns out that you can actually create both at the same time. And it's the fastest, most optimal way to do it. Mm -hmm. But that's not, nobody in society is really teaching that. It's like work harder, work harder, do all these great things, do all the things. And you're like, ah, oh, create money. And we've been made to choose. It's like you got all these spiritual people that are super happy, but they're yeah. broke, yeah. right? And then you got all these rich people that are, you know, got all the things they want, but they're unhappy. And it's like, why can't we have both? And the answer is you can't. I love it. I love it. Um, personal evolution. Tell me, tell me why you you said that's that's what we are as a company. That's what we're here to do. 
So, you know, when we started, so after we sold our worldwide technology company, we started the company Powerful You as our way to give back and to teach this new philosophy around personal development. And we call it personal evolution because the next evolution of man is to take control of what's on the inside to re-predict what's on the outside. Yes. So I'll explain it to you in a really simple narrative. So, Chris, what if I told you that you've never made a bad decision? Mm. Would you believe me? Don't put your, I'm going to paint everything white, you know, <laughs> how, you know, that's fuzzy. Yeah. Would you believe me? I mean, honestly. Yeah. So bad decision, I would say, what is, what is bad? You know, what, who, who says what bad is? Did, did my okay, higher you're doing self? Exactly what I told you not to do. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever made, right? I've, I've made decisions that I regretted, that I wish I wouldn't have, that, you know, didn't produce the result that I wanted. Okay. All right. So not only have you never made a bad decision, you're not even capable of making a bad decision, right? And so when I tell people that, they're like, what do you mean by that, James? I feel like I've made a lot of bad decisions. And what I'd say is that, the, you know, we all start out this decision making the same way, right? It's like, at the moment we're making the decision, we evaluate all the information that's available to us, and we make the best decision we can with the information that we have available to us, right? A bad decision would be making a decision that we know is against our best interests, which we don't do. We can't even do that. That's a bad decision, right? A good decision is doing the best we can with what we have. And so you've never made a bad decision. You only ever made a decision with bad information. Yeah. And why is that important? Because it means that we all make decisions the same way and that you can stop beating yourself up because there's nothing wrong with you. Right? Because life comes down to decisions. Good information leads to good decisions, leads to good outcomes. Yeah. Bad information leads to bad decisions, leads to bad outcomes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Or undesirable. Let's call them undesirable outcomes. Right? And so it's an information problem, mm-hmm. period. You know, if I have something that you don't, that you want that you haven't been able to accomplish is because I know something that you don't know. It's a piece of information. There's nothing wrong with you. It's only about the information that you're accessing to make your decisions. Well, where does that information come from? And where the information comes from is from two areas, your perception and your emotions, period. That's all the information we have. And so it's impossible to make a good decision with bad information. And so we have to upgrade our source of information, which where, where, does, it, where does our perception or emotion source from? It's sourced from our past. And so our past experiences are forming our current experiences. And so we have to go back and question the interpretations that we had in the past. So the five year, my five-year-old self made an assumption based on the information that he had. Uh, oh, I must be dumb because here's my teacher. She's telling me I'm dumb. My mom's not telling me anything different. And then the kids are all telling me I'm dumb, so I must be dumb. And that was so I made the best decision I could with the information that was available to me. Right? And it's like, wait, is that right? Is that true? And the answer is no. It was never true. But I believed it was true. But that was the information that my mind sources to predict what's going to happen next. Because your mind is a massive probability calculator. So when we talk about evolution, the next evolution of man is evolving the information that we source Mm -hmm. 
which is literally changing the narrative inside your brain about what things mean, evolving into a higher state of awareness about yourself and everybody around you. And then it changes your life. And that is understanding that the information and the emotions, like when we can detach from the frustration, the guilt, the blame, the beating ourselves up, would you say that's like the biggest shift that happens, the evolution that happens is going from that to, hey, I just have wrong information and not effective emotions? Yes. There's a couple pieces of it, though. Okay. And so the question is, it's like, is life unfair? And the answer is, it's absolutely unfair, right? (laughs) Now, does believing that life is unfair Mm. serve you? And the answer is not even a little bit. There's no awards for the biggest victim or the person who's been through the most, right? And so it's understanding perception. Here's the basic understanding principle behind perception. Is that what you feel on the inside or believe on the inside Mm. is is being projected outside. And so when people think about that they see reality, they don't see reality. Mm. I want you to think about it like you're playing a video game. You're playing a video game and the program you're interacting with is your belief system, period. So I'm gonna give you an example of what that means. We'll we'll look at the information, okay? So, you know, now you've seen the movie, so don't cheat here, but can you have the thing that you want most in the world sitting right in front of your face and just not see it? Yeah, yeah. Some, some people answer yeah, a lot of people answer no. Mm. So it's like, if the thing that you wanted most in the world was sitting two inches from your nose or the opportunity to get it, would you see it? Most people like, they might answer yes, because they know that's where I'm going, but <laughs> they don't actually believe it. But I'm going to prove it to everyone. So I'm going to tell you a little story, and the story will dictate how perception works. Mm-hmm. I want you to imagine a man. This man wants more than anything to be loved. He wants to be in a relationship. Unfortunately, he's got terrible self-esteem. I mean, just a poor image of himself. One day, this guy walks into a store, and he walks up to the counter, and the girl behind the counter starts flirting with him. My question for you is, does he recognize the girl's flirting with him? Depends. Depends if he's open, if he has the perception, the willingness to see it. So he's got abysmal self-esteem, low self-image of himself. Does he see it in this case? You're saying depends. <laughs> Could be a good day. <laughs> no. The answer is probably not. Probably not. <laughs> right? That's what everybody answers. Probably not. Everybody's like, yeah, I knew that. I knew it wasn't. And then it was like, well, so there's a couple interesting narratives here. So what I just established is this guy has the thing he wants most in the world sitting right in front of his face. The mm. question is, why didn't he see it? Oh, it's because I said that he had low self-esteem. So his low self-esteem on the inside is impacting what he's seeing on the outside, right? Now, here's the question that that every one of your listeners, viewers should be asking themselves. Well, if this guy has a thing that he wants most in the world sitting right in front of his face and he can't see it, what if that's happening to me? And the answer is, based on the laws of perception, it's happening to you every day. It has to happen. Why? And it's really actually pretty simple. Our movie is called Perception Seeing is Not Believing, mm. right? Because there's always this narrative, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it, you know, I'll believe that when I see it. And it's like, no, actually, it's the other way around. Mm. You'll see it when you believe it. Yeah. 
Because the underlying principle under perception is you can only see what you believe to be possible. You can't see anything else. And so in the example of this guy, right, he's got low self-esteem. He doesn't believe it's possible. And so everybody always answers the same to that question. It's like, no, but they don't think that's happening to them. Mm. It is happening to them and it happens to them all the time. Or they would already have the thing that they wanted because they would see the opportunities that would lead to it. Mm-hmm. You know, I ask people this all the time. I'm like, would you have low, like to have low self, would you like to have better self-esteem? And they're like, oh, absolutely. I'm like, well, what would having better self-esteem do for you, right? And they're like, well, you know, it would uh, change the way I look at it. I'd be more confident. I have all these different things. I'm like, well, your self-esteem is just your opinion of yourself. Why don't you just shift your opinion of yourself? What? Like, uh, and it's like, it's not that easy, right? It's like, what do you mean shift my opinion of myself? Why don't you shift your opinion of yourself? Because you don't know what your opinion is based on, Mm. right? And so I like to tell people this. I'm like, if every time you had a really important decision to make, would you find this nearest six-year-old and give that decision for them to make for you? <laughs> no. Right? They're like, no, of course I wouldn't. Right? And if self-esteem has such a massive impact on your life, yeah. right? And you haven't challenged those beliefs, you know, most experts agree your self-esteem is established by the age of six. So that's literally what you're doing. Mm. Right? If self-esteem impacts everything that you're doing, you are literally giving the six-year-old version of you a big part in the decision making of how your life is going to turn out because you never went back and questioned the beliefs that made up those self-esteems just because somebody called you stupid or fat or ugly in a playground doesn't mean it's true right we all walk around with this idea of the the idea that our uh, our um opinion of the ourselves is like it's you know it's based in this past idea like why is it true? It's like people tell me all the time, well, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm good enough. In comparison to what? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Or I don't feel like I'm pretty enough. You're married, aren't you? <laughs> well, yeah. You must be pretty enough for your husband, right? Like, or whatever it is. It's like, when is the court going to be held mm-hmm. to determine if that's true? Mm-hmm. When are we going to go to court? It's like, oh, you, you know, Chris, you're actually not, in fact, good enough. Turns out you were right, right? It's like, <laughs> comparison to what, right? I'm not smart enough. Hmm. Well, brain cells can grow, then become smart. For what? Like, you, you're you smart enough for everything you're doing currently. Yeah. And we have all these, these beliefs and narratives that we run in our head, and it's like, why would you even believe that's true? Hmm. And so evolving is about changing those ideas. When you change those ideas, then everything changes. I love it. I love it. Uh, I, I saw in the book, the topic is being like the hero, the hero's journey. And I saw like there was a lot in that, like diagrams and charts and, you know, like cycles of repetition and things like that. Like, tell me more about the matrix and how you how you use like this, this hero's journey to empower and shift people's identities and, and their, their life. So I call it the new hero's journey, hmm. right? Because... You know, the hero's journey used to be something very different in the past, but what the new hero's journey is, is this. And it's, I want you to imagine, you know, you're a child, mm-hmm. right? And you're going through life and you're in what I call Neverland, right? It's the, the world of children where everything's innocent, everything's good. You know, Neverland can last up to a couple of years, 
to a couple of decades, mm. right? But at some point, based on the you know the level of trauma in your childhood, that bubble bursts, right? And you you suffer a massive rejection, and from that point forward, you fall into the matrix, the world that feels very forced on you, right? And you're trying to figure it out because it's like, oh well, what's going on here? Like, why didn't? Why am I not good enough? Why am all of a sudden you have these thoughts, these feelings, these beliefs of doubt, you know, about who you are and that you're separate and that you're alone and you're fighting for your survival and nobody cares about you. And then it's like, once you're there, you know, you can drop to any level. I mean, you can drop to a level where it's just like, yeah, this is bearable. Or you can drop to rock bottom where it's mm-hmm. completely unbearable. But once you're there, you have the choice to just accept it as your new reality. Mm-hmm. You know, life isn't what I thought it was. Right. It can't be fun. Right? I'm here alone. I'm fighting for my survival. Or you have the option to try mm-hmm. to climb out, right? Or you can exit through addiction or suicide. And mm-hmm. so, you know, we call that the new hero's journey, right? In the sense of that's what we're all fighting. And so there's a lot of evolutionary principles that go into this idea. And what it comes down to for us is really fear. So it's do you understand? what your biggest fear is. What do you think? Do I? I don't think so. I, I, I mean, it might be something that has hit me multiple times, but do I grasp it? Do I, do I really engage with it saying, this is my biggest fear and every day I'm going to be aware of it. I'm going to go to war with it. I'm going to heal from it. I don't, I don't have that level of awareness or consciousness. All right. So let's talk about what everybody has the same biggest fear. And it's actually death, mm. believe it or not. Mm-hmm. But not death. There's actually three forms of death that we fear, right? We fear the we fear potential death, mm. which is when we existed in tribes, right? What happened was is that we wouldn't go from one valley to the next unless we ran out of food, which means the fear of dying was more from staying than going. Right. And that's what uh, all the, you know, the neuroscientists talk about, the fear of uncertainty. So mm. it's a fear of potential death. The second form of fear that we fear, the second form of death that we fear is the f- fear of instant death. Mm. We won't do things that will kill us, right? Like we don't touch hot wires. We don't jump off cliffs. We don't run in traffic. But fortunately enough for us as a species, we've mapped that out. And there's fences and warning signs and everything. So it's not a huge concern for us anymore. I mean, it's a little concern, car accidents and things like that. But there is one form of death that's the most scary. And it's ugly death, right? And so when you think about it, it's like, what's ugly death? And people say it all the time. I don't mind dying. I just don't want to suffer. Yeah. Right? Like, I just don't want to suffer. And that's ugly death. Well, there is an evolutionary equivalent to ugly death. And, and there is a primal program that kicks this fear off inside of you. Mm. So I want you to examine for a second. Think about, you know, when we existed in tribes, there was one thing that would happen that would equate to ugly death. And it was being rejected from the tribe. It takes eight guys with a stick to fight off a bear. Mm-hmm. No way around it. You cannot survive on your own. So if the tribe rejects you, right, you are now going to die in a very short period of time. And it's going to be ugly because you're probably going to be, eaten, right? And it's like, I'm going to die. Now, in that circumstance there's only two ways to live right Mm. the first one is is you can either gain acceptance 
from the other people of the tribe and they let you back in and then you then you live, right? Mm-hmm. Or you can kill the pack leader and become the leader and gain control. And so I want everybody listening to the sound of my voice to realize very quickly acceptance and control is the narrative that's playing out all over the planet. We're all trying, that's why we have this belief of we're not good enough. Who are we not good enough for? The tribe. Well, why? Because we've been rejected. And so what we've discovered through our work is that when you suffer your first massive rejection, that it literally kicks off a primal program inside of you. And the primal program says either get accepted or get or take control or you're going to die. And so we don't even know this program is running around, but we're all running around trying to prove ourselves. We don't feel good enough for what, right? Because, because that's no longer a part of our lives, but the program is still running and that's what causes every war, every disruption. Because here's what you got to realize is that when you were a child, you didn't feel separate from your parents, Mm. right? You felt like you were part of the we. Well, in tribes, in the old tribes, they didn't even have a word for I because there was no survival. They only had words for we because it was only the path. And so when you suffer your first major rejection in your life, you now become an I. And whatever I am is not good enough. Right. And this causes all kinds of chaos type things. It's like, what's the ego? Right. It is that point that you spin up an ego and you go, well, if I'm not good enough, I better come something different. And your ego goes, well, I got you. Spins up a persona and says, well, how about this? Is good enough? Well, that's not good enough either. Mm. Right. And it keeps spinning up personas so that the most authentic, real version of us is now buried under a thousand personas because the only thing we know is whatever we are is not good enough. So we need to come something different. So we're literally running full speed ahead, full speed away from the most authentic version of you. And so I've got this narrative and the narrative is what if you're everything that you think that you're not and nothing that you think that you are. And I can prove that's the most likely scenario. Be like, I'd be like, hallelujah. <laughs> this is, James, you're an angel. <laughs> Right, but we can actually, so we can actually prove it really quickly. You want to try an experiment? Let's do it. All right. So I would welcome anybody who's watching us today to go to go along with us, right? I want everybody to close your eyes. You can close your eyes too, okay? And I want you to think of something that makes you mad. I don't care. Your neighbor's dog poops in your yard. You got caught in traffic, you know anything, social injustice, it doesn't matter. Anything that makes you mad, anything that irritates you. It's gonna shake your head when you have it up, Chris. I got it. Where in your body is that showing up? Just my gut and my head. Okay. So I want you to feel into the pain in your gut. Okay, I want you to allow yourself to really feel that anger in your gut. And in your head, I want you to feel the feeling. It's not a thinking thing. This is a feeling thing. And when you feel the pain in your gut, there's an early childhood memory attached to that pain, and it'll just pop into your mind when you feel the pain. Don't think about it. Tell me when you have that memory. All right, you ready? Okay, so open your eyes for a second. And I would welcome everybody else to open their eyes. Is it a memory you're comfortable in sharing? Uh, yeah. Okay, so what was the memory? Um, my sister got, got something when I was younger that I didn't get. And I was, I was angry, um, because she, she like was favored, or at least I thought, thought she was. 
over me. Okay. So let me ask you another question. What was the thing you were angry about? The feeling I was angry about? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, the feeling I was angry about is my sadness. Like I wanted, I wanted this. I felt disappointed. No, 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 no. When I started the meditation, I said, bring up something you're angry about. What's the current right. oh, thing you're so angry about? I, oh, so I, I smelled, um, like we used to have a roommate and there was like a dog that peed on the carpet and the floor still smells and I tried to clean it up and it's been a pain in the ass to get out. <laughs> Right. So do you, I want you to recognize, first of all, that those two things have nothing to do with each other, correct? Right. Why did one bring up the other? Because mm, it's the same feeling of anger, same emotion. So it's, so it's actually not. So basically what happens is, is that there was a situation in your life that introduced fear into your life. Mm -hmm. And from that point forward, that fear touched every experience you've ever had. So the reason, and this is so oftentimes, I mean, it can be like, you know, I was sexually abused. I was this, I was that, I was this, I was that. But the truth is the vast majority of times when I take people back to that moment, it's always the first rejection. Mm. In that moment, you felt like your parents favored your sister over you, right? Mm. And in that moment, you thought, Whatever I am is not good enough because they like my sister better. She's better than me, right? And that introduced fear into your life. Mm. And that fear, so I used to go on these giant witch hunts, witch hunts for the, like, I'm going to get to the core fear, right? <laughs> Situation, and I was like, after I've done hundreds of these processes I've just walked you through, and I, we're not done, but after a long time, what I discovered was is that any anger is tied to that first second. It doesn't matter. It always goes back. You know, I was talking to a guy the other day and he, he massive, you know, addiction, you know, a lot of trauma in his life in the, in the memory that came up when we did that was he wasn't invited to a Nerf gun fight. Wow. And he goes, are you telling me that all the trauma in my life was because I wasn't invited to a Nerf gun fight? I'm like, nope, you're telling me that. Right. It was because he was the only kid in the neighborhood who wasn't invited. Right, and it was his best friend's house. Yeah. He didn't know why. And so, when your when your parents in your mind favored you over your sister, you are now separate from your parents, which you'd never considered before. Mm. Whatever you are is not good enough, mm. and that was the introduction to fear in your life. And I'll, I'll challenge you to think back before that time. Life was happy and blissful, right? Yeah, You're like everything was great. Like, but after that time. Things probably got a little bit more challenging and a little bit more challenging and a little bit more challenging. And the reason is, is because it was at that point you decided that you were separate, that you were different, that you were not good enough. That's when the first bit of fear crept in and it grew over time. Now, if it had been a more traumatic situation like mine or my wife's where she was sexually abused, then it comes on much faster. Mm. Right. And so here's the other side. What's the lie? Mm. You know what the lie is? What? The lie is survival. I can come over to your house. I can take away all your stuff. I can kick you outside. I can take away all your money. Are you going to survive? Yes. And so there is a survival program that's running inside of us, mm. but survival is no longer on the table. Mm. So 
That's what's causing all of our fear. And our fear is causing all of our emotional disruption. That's why it was tied together. I didn't, it didn't matter what it was. It always goes back to that first spot. And so the lie is fear, actually. Because it's like, if there's nothing you have to do in order to survive, I mean, there's people in LA have been homeless 50 years, right? They, they survive. Yep. Then what can you do? Well, you can do whatever you want to do. But the problem is, is that we're all running around fighting for our survival and survival wasn't even at, on the, at stake anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's what causes every war, every disruption. It's like, that's what causes the me versus you mentality. Mm-hmm. Even though we don't exist in packs anymore, we're still 100% dependent on each other for survival. We just don't realize it because we go to the grocery store. Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. so it's like, we didn't need to be a part of the pack to survive anymore. We could live our entire life with minimal contact, you know, and and survive just fine, mm-hmm. right? And so it's not on the table, but that's the program. That's mm-hmm. why everybody doesn't feel good enough. Good enough for who? Good enough for what? And it's like we're fighting for something that's not even on the table anymore. Mm-hmm. James, this is, this is powerful, man. And I know our audience, people are wondering, okay, so – now that I see there might be this wound, there might be, there's awareness now that the fear has been running the show, the fear of survival, when that's not even, it's not even true. Like we're going to survive whether we're rejected or not. Like what do they do now with this information? How can they take their power back? How can they live a different life knowing that? Okay. Well, we're going to show, we're going to give them an example by using you. All right. All right. So close your eyes again. Okay. And here's what's really important is that you really feel the emotion. I want you to feel that anger in your stomach. I want you to go back to that situation when your parents gave your sister something they didn't, that they favored her, that she was smarter than you, right? And I want you to find that younger version of you, right, in your mind. I want you to see you sitting somewhere. It can be on a bed, it can be on a rock, it doesn't matter. Like, just see yourself sitting somewhere, contemplating this idea of what it means why they like her more, why they love her more, why they, you know, why is she better? And I want you to go sit down next to yourself. And here's what I would like you to whisper in your ear. I would like you to tell a younger version of you that it's okay and that he is good enough. And what just happened had nothing to do with him, right? And I want you to tell him that you have an amazing life now and that you're an amazing human being. And the only reason you have that life is because of his strength. Because he fought to get you here. But you can also tell him that life doesn't need to be a fight anymore. That everything's okay. And I want you to honor and thank him for standing up that fear of I'm not good enough. Because you use that fear to fuel you to here, but you no longer need it. Then I want you to feel the fear of not being good enough. And I want you to let it burn inside of you. And then I want you to honor and thank that fear for the protection it offered you when you were younger. I want you to recognize in this moment that you no longer need that fear. And I want you to choose to release that fear. But you can only release it through fully feeling it, allowing yourself to dive into that idea of I'm not good enough, like they like him, like her better, and feel it and understand that you now have the mental and physical capacity to handle the situation to see it differently. And I want you to breathe deeply as that fear releases and just keep telling yourself, I release this. Now, the fear might have something to say on the way out the door. You can say, well, do you have something to say? And it might say, well, you're stupid because you need me. And just say thank you, right? And just say, I choose to release you anyway. And you can ask it a few times. Is there something you have to say? 
And if whatever it says, just say thank you, but I still choose to release you. And then just allow it to completely dissipate until the feeling in your stomach goes completely away. Okay, there's a couple of things I can tell that it's releasing. Feeling good, right? Okay, I want a couple of things I want you to notice. Notice how much deeper you're breathing right now. Also, do you hear the white noise in your head? It's scary loud, right? It's weird. Okay, so I'm gonna want you to do one more thing before you open your eyes. I want you to go back to that younger version of you. And I want you to tell your younger version one more thing. Is there something that you love right now in your life? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what it is. I want you to think about the thing that you love. And I want you to feel that feeling of the thing you love in your heart right now. I want you to feel it. What it feels like to love that thing. And I want you to go back to the younger version of yourself. And here's what I want you to tell you. Tell you. I want you to tell that younger version of yourself that it's okay. Life has been no fun without him, and that it's safe to come home, and that you have the capability to protect him, and he doesn't have to be worried or scared anymore. And I want you to put him right in your heart, right next to that thing you love. I want you to let that love in your heart grow until it's a bonfire, and I want you to merge with that version of you and understand that you're safe, that your survival is never at stake, and that you can live a life of joy, fun, and experience all the goodness and love that life has offered. Now the white noise is really loud. You feel that feeling in your heart? Whenever you're ready, you can just come back into the room. So for the listeners out there, that's what we call the emotional integration technique. And here's what you need to understand about emotions in order to do this technique. The first thing you need to understand is that your emotions are not about other people. So stop making them about other people. Their emotions are not about you. And so we are constantly saying, you made me feel this way. Your emotions aren't there to tell you that there's something wrong on the outside. They're there to tell you that something is wrong on the inside. So I want you to you know, understand that your emotions are your window into your subconscious mind, number one, okay? So number two is, is that, you know, we have a tendency to project our emotions, make them about other people, right? And that's not what you want to do. You want to understand that your, your emotion is about you and stop taking on their emotions, stop making their emotions about me. They're mad, they must hate me. Mm. And so when you understand that, the next thing you know to understand is that emotions are stored in the body, not the mind. And so that's why when you're anxious, you feel it in your stomach or different things is that every emotion that you've stored in your body is causing disruption in your system. And those emotions essentially are stuck there yeah. because you didn't process them when you were younger because you adopted that fear to protect you. But now what once served you no longer serves you, right. right? And so it's now that you can go back and when you get angry or sad or upset, you know, when you, I usually write it down because it's always in the middle of the day. And then I go back home and I sit down and I bring up that emotion. I identify where it's at in my body. It can be anywhere, your shoulders, your neck, your head, your third eye, your neck, you know, your back, your legs, your arms. You know, I mean, it's like, um, so let's find out where it is. Feel the pain. The pain has a memory attached to it. Find the identifying memory. Allow yourself to feel the emotion that you repressed. 
and release it through love and gratitude. And so essentially what's happening is that what you did was you went into your past, to a past situation, and you imprinted a new emotion on the past situation, yeah. which was love and gratitude by honoring not only the fear that you adopted, but the younger version of yourself that did it. And acknowledging that they were only doing the best they can and allowing everything to be good in the moment. Now. And so as it releases, you'll hear that white noise and you feel very calm, but you kind of just scrape the dishes out of the sink. As you get angry, basically it's kind of like going out, going back and defragging your computer. It's like yeah. you're getting all of that emotional <laughs> garbage out of there, you're processing it all. So the next time your your mind grabs that memory mm -hmm. to predict what's going to happen next, it comes with a different emotional response. And that's how you create happiness. This is so freaking powerful, man. I love it. I feel so I feel so good, like just so light, just going in and excavating. We all need that that experience consistently right because just do it once if someone's doing it on the other side of this you did it like congratulations if you didn't do it listen to this again go freaking do it and it's like an ongoing thing because there's lots of stored stuck repressed stuff that life confronts us with and then we get to be responsible to go back and heal it man i do that every single day wow every morning that's my meditation wow. did you also notice how deep you were into it yeah it's like, well, why, you know, the rumor has it that the Buddha only ever taught body meditation, mm. right? Because he understood that, you know, the body is the subconscious mind. Yeah. And that's where the oppressed emotions live. And so when you go into your body, you get, in, you get drawn into a meditation. You have no idea you can get to that level that quickly, right. right? It's like, wow, I'm in this deep place. You release the emotions. Like, the one thing I would, 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 let you guys know is that just know that emotion doesn't want to go anywhere. Mm. That fear, you know, you think about it. I like to think about it as like guards that I stand up all my life. I stood up this guard and the guard stays standing in the place. <laughs> it's like, it's like every once in a while somebody trips over it and it comes out and it unleashes some massive toxic attack on them. Like, it's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. And then you stuff it back down. Yeah. Well, instead what you have to understand mm. that, that, we're constantly demonizing fear, but what we need to understand about fear is fear's only job was only ever to protect you. Yeah. And so you got to stop demonizing fear. And we deal with fear with honor, gratitude, and love for the protection it offered us. But we recognize that we no longer need that protection when you release it. And so on the way out the door, the fear is going to scream and it's going to burn and it's going to say things. And it's like, you know, that's why I always give it the option to say something. You know, sometimes I name the fear, right? Like, you have something to say, like, you're making a big mistake. Like, <laughs> you need me. Like, and, I mean, I've had it, like, curse at me. And yeah, I'm just like, yeah. And I, had, I had some F-bombs going on. <laughs> right, right. And so all you say is, thank you. Mm. And then you, you just, but I still choose to release you. Yes. Because you know something they don't know. Mm. Which is, they don't, they've been standing there waiting for acknowledgement. Mm. And that fear is just like, well, it's, you know, it's a guard. You got to release the guard off duty because it'll just stay there standing until you process it. Man, James, we've only scratched the surface, man. I know our audience wants to know how they can stay connected with you. How can they, how can they learn more? How can they get the documentary? Tell them more about that, man. So here's what's really cool is that we are actually offering the documentary for free Dude. for the month of February. Damn. So you can go to our website, powerful-theletteru.com. Um, and, you know, about, you know, a little bit down the page, there's a watch the movie for free for the month of February. Just click on the button. 
And then if, or if you go download our app, which is just go to your app store on any device, your Apple TV, Google TV, Android, in and put in powerful dash or just powerful, the letter U. And there's an app called the powerful universe, which is our content engine. And in that app right now, the movie screen for free as well. And you can watch it on any device. And that's only available to the month of February. Mm-hmm. And your users are the first ones to hear it publicly, yes. except for except for a couple of people I told on Instagram. <laughs> um, first official interview announcement. <laughs> right. I didn't announce it on the Powerful Use page. My, my following is small. So I just announced it to a few people. But you guys actually have the first opportunity to see the movie for free. And just so you know, is that this movie just won Best Picture at the LA Film Festival, mm-hmm. Best Documentary at the LA Film Festival, and Best Documentary at the Hollywood Film Festival. Yeah. So not only is it a, a transformational piece, yeah. but it also, when you watched it, it's 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 a grab, like it grabs yeah, you. It's intense. It's intense. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> there's some really cool people in the movie as well, dude. And so you can buy our book. So the book and movie are both called Perception, Seeing is Not Believing. Okay. You know, the book is available on, on Amazon. It's available. It's, it'll hit Audible in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, it's available on Barnes & Noble. It's also available on our website. But the movie can only be seen on our website or in our app. So that's available to people. Dude, James, man, thank you so much. And everyone listening, go see the the movie, Perception, Seeing is Not Believing. Go check out the app, Powerful You, Powerful Universe Content Engine. This is this is gold, man. This is awesome. Definitely connect with James. James, thank you so much for being here, man. You're doing you're doing beautiful, empowering, enlightening, activating, evolving work in the world. It's awesome, man. Well, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a compliment as well because not only was this a great interview, thank you for interacting with the content before we got on. So we had an interesting conversation. But others the other side of it is is that you really took that process to heart. Mm-hmm. And I could tell through your experience that you really want to change and grow. And it wasn't like, yeah, 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 whatever. Like you did it, right? Mm-hmm. And to all your listeners out there, that's the hardest part, right? It's just doing that little thing. And when you put you string together a bunch of little things, your you your life can be told you can have anything that you want. Yeah. Happiness, love, joy, things, big houses, cars, whatever you want. Right? But you have to understand how to evolve your perception, take control of your emotions. And it's it, you know, our book and our movie is a guidebook to how to live, how to live life. So. Boom. I love it, man. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great rest of your day, okay? You too. From the bottom of my heart, thank you for tuning in. Right now, we've reached the end of this episode, but this is the start of a whole new beginning. Each and every moment, you have an opportunity to rewrite your story. Right here, right now, decide and commit who you are going to be. Think about how you will use these ideas wisdom and inspiration to make the difference in your life what actions will you take today and every day to step into your greatest possible self again a big shout out to our sponsor employeeescapeplan.com if you're committed to learning how to truly harness your abilities and passions to serve the people who are hungry and desperate for what you have to offer make a great income off of your genius, 
or if you're ready to get more clients to pay you more money, head over to www.employeeescapeplan.com and let Joe know you were sent by Chris. Did you enjoy this episode? Let your friends know about it. Share the website, beyourgps.com and send me some love on social media. If you want to clarify your vision, uncover blind spots, get more energy, tap into your flow and take massive action, head over to beyourgps.com forward slash coaching to schedule some time into my calendar. Now, master yourself, create your reality, and make every day your best day ever. <laughs>